Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 14 of Optimal You. It has been a little while. I've been MIA. I do apologize. You know, sometimes life comes at you fast, and I have uh, been a little bit busy and have put the podcast on the back burner, but got uh, a request from a good friend, uh, my guest today, to, to come onto the show, which is kicked my butt back into gear and, and getting the podcast going. So I appreciate my guest for, for reaching out. Uh, with that, want to introduce today's guest of Optimal U, a big uh, proponent and supporter of the optimal lifestyle, uh, Gavin Godfrey. Gavin, welcome. What's up? How much? How are you doing today? I'm so good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh man. Like I said, I'm excited. This is getting me going again back into the podcast. It's been a little bit of a while uh, since I have done the podcast or or any interviewing. I switched roles in my job, so I'm not interviewing people anymore. So I may be a little bit rusty. I know you were mentioning you're a little bit nervous. Hey, I'm I'm nervous too. It's been a little while for me. So we'll get through this today, though. But uh, for for those of you out there. Gavin and I, we we grew up together in the same neighborhood. Uh, you're a little bit younger than than me. I was really good friends with your brother Tanner. We're the same age, uh, so we're always around, seeing each other at uh, school, different act. Actually, we weren't ever in school together. We're that I think we're that far gapped apart. But church really? and night yeah, games. You guys are a little too good of friends, eh? <laughs> I'm just good friends. Hey, he's he's engaged now, so <laughs> off the market. <laughs> But uh, we are you. You're you're about to get engaged too. I'm just kidding. (laughs) There's some potential there, yes. (laughs) But uh, you know, growing up, watched you, Gavin. You're just like your family, right in there in the the extreme sports, having no fear, tons of adrenaline, tons of <laughs> just that that godfrey spirit which it which is awesome seeing you accomplish a lot of things and you know you you have quite the list of accomplishments i uh i called up your brother tanner and was chatting with him um but one you come from family of wrestlers and you yourself took state in wrestling in high school right yeah i did 152 that's awesome it was uh it was like a dream come true i ever since i was little i really wanted to do it i'd walk into the wrestling room because of course you know that was our family we we didn't really take it serious when we were younger it was kind of like oh let's go to like the wrestling camp to you know because you got to defend yourself so we'd just wrestle and um and we'd always wrestle with brothers and sisters because it was not it was rough (laughs) growing up we always yeah beat up on each other but also you know loved each other so much so but yeah it was it was a crazy time and I like had to do it because it was like the one goal I actually set when I was little, little to actually accomplish. And I like wanted my name up on the wall and yeah, it worked out. Did you do that your senior year? Yeah. Senior in high year. school. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, pretty much I wrestled from when I was probably like four to eight and then stopped till I was like in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then I wrestled pretty hard. I was going to practice every day up at Brighton for uh, Specialized, and I actually ended up getting fifth in state that year, and then I just quit after. Oh, I just yeah. stopped doing it because it was just like, 
it was pretty hardcore and i wanted to ride motorcycles of course Mm -hmm. that was like and then so i got into motorcycles more and yeah it was it was a pretty wild time but i'm thankful for wrestling and the biggest manner is it made me uh, healthy and strong because what we did is we wrecked a lot and (laughs) when you actually like are built like have muscles and you're healthy when you crash you roll and you don't get hurt as bad so I think that's why we didn't get hurt as bad with stuff is because we <laughs> yeah. were wrestling. Just tough. Just, tough <laughs> just had boys. to be tough or else, you know, you didn't last long in our family. Yeah. Oh, that's that's for sure. You don't even have to be in your family. If you're a friend of the Godfrey's, if you're not tough, you will not last long <laughs> until you're going over there. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. But that's it. That's an amazing goal that you set from a young age and something you accomplish within high school. And you mentioned motorcycles, your family's into uh, riding as well. And uh, I think it was post, post high school time, the uh, Nitro Circus started blowing up and you... Uh, joined up with them, right? Partnered, went on tour, um, performed a lot of shows, did a lot of crazy stunts with them, and also had another, um, not sure if it was directly with Nitro, but during that time, another one of the world's first, which is awesome, uh, world's first triple backflip on a mountain bike. Yeah, yep. That was uh, that was a surreal moment, really. Because um, it was crazy. Like When I was on tour with Nitro, I was traveling all the time, and when I started Nitro, I, like, I didn't really ride bikes too much in high school. Like, I did here and there, like, mountain bikes, but not too much. It was more like moto. Uh-huh. And then um, I got really into riding, like, once I was done with wrestling because the coach told me, you know, you can't ride while you're wrestling because <laughs> we tend to get hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but the – so it was cool because, like, right when I got on tour with Nitro, I legitly could only do, like, a backflip. I got to do a backflip. I couldn't really do any other tricks. I mean, I was good at doing backflips in the trains and, like, whatever, and then also um, contraptions that should probably have never been invented, but somehow someone got the idea to (laughs) make them so they can ride down a gigantic ramp and jump over a 32 to 50-foot gap. And the fans love it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, they love it. But for us, you know, it doesn't really make any sense, but it would work in – so, yeah, that's where um, it was fun with the Nitro Circus doing all that stuff. But, yeah, I was sitting there one day in Australia, and I think I was like a year in, and I just started learning double backflips, as in consistently to the ramp. Uh-huh. And I was talking to Jed Milden because we were rooming together in Australia, and he's like, because he just did the triple backflip. And I like looked at him, and he was showing me his quad flip jump that he built. He was like building on the computer. I was like, triple backflip, that is like insane. I, I could not imagine doing that. And and then, you know, you know, like a year later, I flew to Jed's house and learned triple backflips. And then, you know, two months later, we went and landed them in the back of Godfrey Trucking with all my family, like my cousins. And it was the craziest moment in my life because I saw something that I thought I could would never do. Mm-hmm. And then put my mind to it and believe that I could do it. And then it worked out as we all worked together to build the jump and accomplish that. And it was, it was pretty cool. It was uh, definitely a moment that no one will ever like, know the way that I felt because all the hard work that people don't see you yeah. know, actually like, worked out. Because when I was on tour, I was doing double backflips. Like, once I learned them, I was just doing them over and over. Like, I would do like 30 every time I got the ramp like, set up. 
And so after you do that, you know, your mind, you just shut it off. And you're like, my body knows what to do. I trust it. And sure enough, you come around and I mean, you got your, your falls to learn it, but yeah, you got to have those. You have to, <laughs> you got to have your setbacks because once you have your setbacks, you can kind of look at things in a different way and then analyze like, what did I do wrong? What kind of change? And then also it helps you appreciate even more when you actually accomplish after yeah. you have these setbacks. I mean, it's crazy how two things go together with whatever we do in life, you know, yeah. whether it's sports or just life in general, we all have our ups and downs, but it's really like what we do with those ups and downs. Exactly. You know, watching you grow up, one of the things that I've always admired about you and, and just know that you do is you do you set a goal and then you work after it you go after that goal and and like you said there's a lot of work there's a lot of falls that goes down to it and, and not a lot of people understand that like they see the finished product they see the triple backflip and they set that goal and they're like oh man they get frustrated after a couple of times that it doesn't happen you know or, or whatever goal it may be but there's a lot of work that goes in in the process and i've always seen you set out set a goal and put the work in and, and go after every goal that you've set. So amazing accomplishment. Your, your brother also mentioned too, uh, you said you, you're racing and riding a little bit, that you're a, you're a fast desert rider. <laughs> you said I mean, that you're faster than he is <laughs> or, or was. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The, the crazy thing was is um, for desert, desert racing, you know, that was my dad and Tanner's biggest, I don't know, like their biggest passion in life. Like for mm -hmm. Tanner ex mostly, I mean, my dad, yeah, growing up, you know, he did world championships on the dirt bikes at the, with my uncle, and they they did a bunch of races. But for us, like, we were pretty fortunate to be able to do what we were able to do is, like, to race and travel and do that for a little bit. With And Tanner was so dedicated to racing motocross and desert, mostly desert. But, like, he would, instead of, like, going out for the weekends, he'd be the one that would go to bed early so he could go ride or you know, he was training at school to, like, Tanner was so built and definitely yeah. more built than me in high school. Like, Tanner, <laughs> he, he is definitely, like, the hardest worker out of all of us um, when he was, like, even now, but, like, when he was healthy um, before his accident, he was so dedicated to that. And, like, I watched that and I was, like, it inspired me so much to wanting to race like that and to beat him because, like, you know, to, he's, like, older brother. Yeah, I mean Tanner. <laughs> honestly, if Tanner wasn't hurt though, he'd whoop he'd whoop me on a dirt bike in <laughs> oh, the desert, yeah. <laughs> you know. But at least like, but yeah, it, it's it's fun, and that's where we grew up. We we grew up in the fast desert. That's where we'd go ride. Wouldn't because motocross tracks, you know, there are some around here, but they're not open all the time, and we usually don't plan things ahead. <laughs> oh yeah that's so true <laughs> kind of just like oh Godfrey yeah time <laughs> you want to go ride <laughs> let's go ride where are we gonna go well there's nowhere open like let's go ride out in the desert so we go out and ride knolls or you know the west desert and that's what i loved because i just loved going fast and learning like i don't know for me like i react so much better on like in the moment where when you're riding a dirt bike through the desert you really are in the moment you have a split second to make a decision or you're gonna go down you know or yeah you're not gonna be feeling good and so yeah desert racing has taught me so much desert like riding in life is 
kind of the same thing where you're like you're going full speed and sometimes you can't plan ahead of what's going to happen all you can do is react with the now and mm-hmm. in the moment and i feel like once you learn that more it's just becomes natural where yeah. your body just takes over like you were describing the the backflip that muscle memory as soon as your your body's familiar with firing off these new paths being able to make those split second decisions it just becomes natural not as not as hard not as tough and in the moment then you're able to react that much faster so yeah. that's awesome no yeah you know uh, uh one last thing about uh the Godfrey's, <laughs> Gavin in particular, before we move on. Now, you've got some things you want to you wanna talk about, and I want to get to those. Um, but you mentioned, you know, you guys would wrestle as a family, but it, it was tough, but there's a lot of love there. And, and that's the other thing about the Godfrey's. There's this tough Godfrey spirit, but within your family in particular, there's this love and this bond between all of the family members that's super strong. Um, I would say Preston probably is the most, <laughs> he's the most lovable Godfrey, <laughs> but between all of you, there's, there's always this love, care and respect for each other. And I see that in your family and I'm like, wow, that's super awesome. You don't see that in, in every family out there, but there's this huge, uh, bond that you guys do share that that's awesome and amazing. Yeah. My, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, the way I could describe it is my parents. Don't cry on me, Gavin. <laughs> my parents have always taught us to care for each other and have each other's back. Like growing up, my dad, you know, we were all different ages, but my dad was like, if someone's bullying your little brother or sister, you know, stand up for him. Or if someone's bullying someone else, stand up for him. Mm-hmm. And it's like our family, you know, we we all have our differences. We all we don't agree all the time, but we have to stand up for each other and love each other because. Really, like, family is the biggest thing that you have. Like, it's your blood, it's your... And, I mean, everyone grows up in a different way. And we're, we're really blessed to be, like, the way that we are. But, I mean, it is a struggle. Like, everything's a struggle to keep together. You know, life comes at you fast. You have issues, you know, mm-hmm. people don't get along. and Because everyone's different, you know. You can't expect something from someone else because you don't know what they're going through or, like, their situation. And one thing my dad's always taught us is you're not, you're never better than anybody. Cause you have like, even nothing against like janitors or anything or whatever, but my dad's always like, you're never, you're never better than anybody. You know, everyone is here and we're all equal. Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't matter what you have and what they have. As long as you're a good person, you mean well, then you're doing something right. That's awesome. I like that. And I love that about Scott because he is, he's one of the most caring, selfless individuals out there. He doesn't care. He's always willing to help anybody out. He's that, he's that great Samaritan, not only just a good Samaritan. He is, he is. Both my parents, my mom and I mean, my mom's got to put up with my dad though. Once (laughs) once everyone, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, no, there it's, I love him to death and I'm very grateful to have him as my parents. Sometimes they like being my parent, but at the same time, maybe a little bit of regret. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we put him. We put him through the ringer. We had, we had a. Yeah, we've 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 had our definitely our life experiences <laughs> where they are proud, but also a little worried sometimes. You've uh, you've made them earn those gray hairs <laughs> as they as they're getting them. <laughs> well, I go up to my mom like, mom, I need to give you a massage on your neck because 
And then I'm like, I'm like, you got all these knots. And she's like, that's from you. That's from Tanner. That's from <laughs> yeah. Kelty. So at least I do something to help her. <laughs> yeah. Get those. Your, your poor those mom. <laughs> she yeah. definitely has been through the ringer with you guys, you kids. <laughs> so yeah, it's a good thing she was, you know, very, because she re- ski raced her whole life, you know. Um, and she, so she's been around it with injuries and all that stuff. So it's so awesome because. Yeah, we've we've learned, and she got like your EMT stuff. So yeah, we pretty much have our paramedics with us all the time. <laughs> well, Gavin, you you reached out, you were interested, you wanted to come on the show. You've got some things that you want to talk about, and in in just chatting before the podcast and getting a feel for those, um, you said that you wanted to share. Some of your life experiences post high school, some ups and some downs that you've gone through, um, and then also some some more recent things that are going on. So let's let's get into that. Let's let's talk about that. Let's <laughs> if if we can go go back to say right after high school. I um let's see, I probably would go back to actually in eighth grade. I would Take say us eighth, back. eighth grade. Um, okay. I mean, growing up, I was always playing sports. You know, we were super busy. We'd play football, soccer, motorcycle ride, ride BMX, whatever. Did always you play football in high school? No. No. Okay. I had way too many concussions, concussions <laughs> before yeah. high school. So uh, football was Rolled not on the now. menu for me. <laughs> yeah. Wrestling's not as better, but at least you're not hitting your head, like, all the time. Yeah. But anyways, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I would go back to, like, Seventh grade, I was like, I felt like I was on top of the world. I was playing football. I zed down. I was doing pretty good. I mean, I was in shape. I was riding, you know, winning desert races. I'm a 65, so I felt pretty good. And then, um, then when we in 07, when Tanner got hurt, um, it was at first it like didn't really hit me because I was so young. I didn't really realized what was going on and how serious the situation was. Um, but I just remember sitting there and we were, my dad and I were watching and cause he broke his back like the um, day before, same spot. So we're sitting, we're up on the hill, we're in Mesquite, Nevada, and we're watching the motocross race and Tanner's racing. He's passing people. He got like a bad start or something. And all of a sudden he goes up this hill, but you couldn't see him like right when he hit the bottom you couldn't see anything until they got to the top and then came around. And I just remember sitting there and um, he went like up the hill with one of our buddies. And all of a sudden they like, they both didn't uh, come around the corner. And so we're like, oh, that's weird. Maybe Tanner stopped because like our buddy Carrie crashed mm-hmm. or something. And so like I rode down to pits and then came back up and we like go up to the top of the ambulance. And, and then I was like, look down, I see Tanner like coming up the. They got him in the stretcher, and he's coming up the um, the motocross track, the hill, because it's a pretty steep hill. And so what happened is he clipped uh, straight, like a little cliff um, that was probably like a foot tall, and it bucked him enough where it just chucked him over the bars. And then he went headfirst into the hill and like mm. probably hit like 20, 30 miles an hour just straight to his head. Didn't even get knocked, like no concussion, nothing, just straight enough force, and he just like, just smash his T6 and 7 and um but first we're like I was like oh well, Tanner's fine you know he's like coming up the hill and I was like he's fine you know Tanner's always fine he's crashed harder than this and then 
Yeah, it's all ambulance. We get to the and then we get to the hospital and they're like, yeah, Tanner's broke his back. And then because Tanner said he could like fill everything, and then when he said he couldn't, it wouldn't stop. Like he said things were starting to get tingly. It kind of like hit me. He's like, well, maybe. Like I hope this doesn't happen, but it like and then when he got flew home to University of Utah, he said that his feeling went away in his legs, and then I. You know, I was in eighth grade at the time, and when he was in the hospital and stuff, and it, it was just so hard to see him like that. Like, I remember telling him, I was like, I wish this was me, because Tanner was always the hardest worker. He he always, like, did everything to the max. You know, he was so passionate about life. And when I saw that happen, it was so hard for my family and us to, you know, wrap our heads around it. And... Mm -hmm. But it was, for how crappy of a situation it was, it was so cool, too, because everyone came together, you know, our family and our extended family, you know, everyone in our neighborhood. We were so blessed with, like, food and help and, you know, remodeling the house, getting everything ready for Tanner to come home from the hospital. And I actually stopped going to school for a full trimester <laughs> during oh, yeah. that time. And... I just hung out Tanner, played video games. I mean, you know, you came over. <laughs> yep. I turned in, I was just, I straight up just played video games all day. I think I brought him my copy of Halo over or something yeah. like that so he could play it. <laughs> so we'd play video games, watch TV, and then just do whatever, just hang out together. I actually learned how to crochet. So I had like crochet hats and stuff like that. Oh, is that where it all started? Yeah, that's yeah. where it started. Okay, though. yeah. So I just would crochet hats and I actually made about like 50 hats. Mm -hmm. And my mom took them up to the hospital and gave them to a bunch of kids. So that's awesome. And I actually found out later on that crocheting is actually really good for the back of your brain because it's constant motion with your eye hand eye coordination. That it actually is like the, one of the only things that trains the back of your brain. So I found out, I was like, maybe that's what helped me from all my concussions growing up <laughs> yeah. was that. But but then right there at that moment, like, it was so hard to see Tanner in the situation that he was in. But also, he was so positive the whole time. But for me, like, I feel like I just, like, lost a lot of my self-motivation towards what we were doing, you know. Because we were, we we grew up a little different, you know. We were always kind of pushing the limits in our in our own ways as, like, at our age or whatever we were doing. I mean, yeah, like I learned double flips when I was, you know, seven years old. But at the time, you know, that's kind of like crazy because there wasn't like kids jumping. I don't know, but they like, yeah, my cousin's like, oh, jump as high as you can. Then they double bounce me and my legs would give out. And somehow I'd do a double flip. They're like, oh, nice, you did it. I was like, <laughs> that's so scary. <laughs> But Wait, you, you were scared? Yeah, but you couldn't, like, say it because they would, like, <laughs> well, you're doing it again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, well, no, I mean, but Tanner's situation really broadened, like, like it made me realize so much of what could happen, mm -hmm. you know, the true aspects of what really could happen. Because I watched firsthand and was there all the time for Tanner and saw it's a struggle. Every day is a struggle. Any anything, like any task is a struggle. The easiest stuff, I mean, to get into your car, to fill up your tank, to, you know, go grocery shopping, to just walk into the bathroom or go into the bathroom. It was all a struggle and Tanner just powered through it because he's just like my I mean his his mind was like 
so stubborn that I'm just going to make my body do it. Because really, if you just force it to make it do it, then it's going to do it no matter what. Because your mind's the most powerful thing you have. And um, so I saw that. And honestly, I kind of stopped doing everything for a little bit. I just, like, I didn't really go outside that much. I kind of, like, came MIA. I didn't really have that many friends. I hung out with my family and then whoever came over. But um, then I ended up going back to school, and I, like, was out of shape now. I didn't really, like, work out, didn't really do all that. And I feel like after that, I was – it was a weird, weird part of my life where I didn't really know who I was and, like, the direction I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And, like, that whole eighth grade to ninth grade year, like, I would go wrestle, but the dumb thing with wrestling is – you, you, some people have to cut weight. Um, the situation I was in, I was cutting weight. So, like, once I got into my freshman year, I was wrestling and cutting weight, and I was ornery. Because <laughs> for me, wrestling, if you're wrestling out there, I would recommend not cutting weight because, <laughs> yeah, like, it's good for the moment, but you got to look for your future. Starving yourself and working your butt off isn't a good thing. <laughs> No. <laughs> but so I was wrestling like 112 in freshman year. And, and then like even when I got to my junior year, I still was cutting weight. And so like, I don't know, like from eighth grade to like my senior year, I just felt so lost and weird and not like I didn't feel like comfortable with myself or have like the confidence. And I, I didn't really feel like I fit in. Like I always just felt like so, so different in my own way. And I feel like wrestling, and there's a lot of anger, too, towards, like, what happened with Tanner. So wrestling was, like, the only thing I could release my anger mm-hmm. and what I had because I usually keep a lot of stuff in. I'm not really a person to talk about my feelings and, like, what I'm going through because I don't want to bring that on to other people because everyone's got their own problems. Like, for me to be on this podcast, it it's pushing me into a way that like, I'm shy, and I don't really like being out like this, but it makes me, like, where I have to. And, mm-hmm. I like, that. If, if you're feeling comfortable, you know, you're maybe you're doing something wrong, but maybe you're doing something right, but also, like, you got to get uncomfortable to, like, really test yourself. And, I, like, I have to get uncomfortable because I've, I've been too comfortable for, like, at least the past little bit towards, like, I didn't want to, like, reach out to anybody or, like, mm-hmm. you know, push myself out there. But, but yeah, I mean, I got to my senior year and um, I was, you know, training so hard. Like I went to these wrestling camps in the um, summertime, this one called J-Rob. It's two weeks of four days. And to graduate, you have to run 12 and a half miles. Yeah, that, let me tell what? you. <laughs> let me tell you that one. Yeah. Whew, have you been through that camp? Much respect, for real. It was hell. <laughs> hell it was hell. <laughs> we got the first so we went i went two years um and the first year we get there and i had no expectations you know wasn't training for the camp i didn't realize what we were getting into and so the first day we get there we're like this is so cool we're like climbing all over the <laughs> apartments we're staying at like jumping off the first floor into the grass and then the cafeteria was like a mile walk uphill i swear and we get up to we get up to dinner and go up there, go down, and they're like, "All right, well, so you do like a mile test because when you do the wrestling camp, you have groups, You're like group one, group two, group three, and so it goes from like the best to the worst 
or not the worst, but the least experienced, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And they base it off your running. So like, cause you have to have run, you like run two times a day. You run in the morning and then you run at night, and not just run like a mile. You run, you know, two three miles, and you're like push ups, weights, whatever. So I get there and I'm like my competitiveness. It's like yeah, I'm gonna run this mile fast. So I actually ran it in like a five twenty five. Wow. So like pretty dang quick for me, and some kid did like four twenty five there, <laughs> like some kid from Alaska like cross-country animal like he just like but yeah we so i got in group one and it was probably the worst thing i could have done (laughs) because these kids are all in shape and fast and so then that but that year i ended up getting like a concussion and so i had to sit out like three days and i still did like the running after did wrestling here and there because i couldn't really wrestle because i didn't want to get another concussion Mm -hmm. but I i ended up doing the 12 and a half miles didn't graduate, so I didn't get a shirt. Because oh, J-Rob's like you, like, you have to do everything or else like, you don't get a shirt. Yeah. It's part of it. So then I had to go, So I went back the next year, and I was, I was a little more trained, but when we did the mild test. <laughs> you slow I, it down a little bit? <laughs> I got in group two. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not going that far. But it, it, I got there the, when I was there the first year and then the second year. You get to uh, day two and day three, and you're just like, why am I doing this? You get homesick because you're uncomfortable. You hate it because you got to get up in a little bit, and you got to go work out. Cause, so it would be you get up by like 7 o'clock. You'd go, or you had to be there by 7, and I don't know the times for sure, but you'd be there in the morning, go run, and then you go to breakfast, and then you would, and plus we were staying on, like, on the sixth floor. There's no elevators, oh, so you're doing man. six floors, six <laughs> like floors of stairs every, after everything, like because you got to go run, breakfast, uh, and then you have like a technique practice, lunch, hard practice, which is like two hours of hard wrestling. I mean, you know wrestling, yeah, it's pretty hard. You know, I was a, I was a wrestler. I started uh, every season, but never finished. <laughs> the regular wrestling was just too hard for me, <laughs> but I know, sound I know like, what it is. <laughs> sound like a football player. I'm just kidding. Just right? playing. But, um, no, yeah. So we, so then it was like the two hour practice and then you would do dinner and then you do like a meditation type deal where you would lay there for like 15, 20 minutes and you would talk. Jerob would talk and then you'd go for another run. So it was pretty like hardcore, like, I mean the most workouts I I was I did it until that point and I graduated and got like the shirt but it really taught me something in life where even how like bad you want to be out of the situation you can always make it better in your own mind to be in the situation mm-hmm. like you can you can control your like thoughts where because I mean of course like if you're in a situation you don't want to be in it and you're like I hate this situation I don't want to be here and you just keep feeding that, then of course you're not gonna want to be there even more. Yeah. But if you're able to like make positive out of it, like we would make like the one thing that worked with us is we just reached out to other wrestlers, made like friends, and we were actually like a family towards the end. And so like that was fun because we always like joke, like build a joke with each other. And but yeah, I mean it just taught me like just don't give up. You gotta just be positive in your own way if you can. And yeah. And then it'll make the situation a lot easier. But, like, after that, then I was like, I'm taking state. Like, I know I'm going to take state. And so once I got to my senior years, 
you know, the goal is to take state. And so I went from my 112 freshman year to 152 my senior year. And I was oh, like, man. <laughs> I was like, I'm not cutting weight. Because the year before, my, when I was in a junior, uh, before the state, I cut like 15 pounds in like two days. Jeez. Yeah, idiot. Yeah, I sat that's on like, crazy. <laughs> I sat on a tra- uh, uh, I sat on a bike and pedaled for thirty minutes, and then I and I couldn't drink water. I'd go like put my mouth like in the, like on the uh from the drinking fountain, like sip the water and then spit it out because like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be overweight. <laughs> yeah. But I got to my first match in the state uh, wrestling tournament. And I lost because I was so exhausted. I could not wrestle. Like, I could not even move. I was so tired. And so then I had to go from the loser bracket all the way up. So it's like four matches each day to get to the third and fourth place. So it's like the it's something you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do. So I got to uh, third and fourth, and by the time I got to there, I was pretty beat, and I lost by one point. So I got fourth my junior year, but... It taught me so much because like I had that fire, you know. I was like, yeah. oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this." And so yeah, that, yeah. Then I, my senior year, I, I trained four times a day. I pretty much took the Jay Robinson uh, training and then just put it towards like that. And that's like all I focused on was mm-hmm. I'd wake up, run, go to school. I'd li- have lifting classes in school, go to wrestling for two hours, and then I'd go lift and then go do uh, sprints. And I did that every day for the whole wrestling season. And, yeah, I got to the championship, uh, and I ended up taking my kid. So I beat him by 15 before the third round was over. So that was pretty cool. Man, yeah. But, no, like, I feel like wrestling taught me so much. um, And, like, like what I said, it saved me. Because then, like, once I was done with that, but once once I won state um, a month later, I got a motorcycle accident in a desert race, actually. And I went down doing probably 65 miles an hour and in deep, in deep whoops and flip, knocked me out, woke up not knowing where I was. And my body was just hurting. I'm like, what is going on? And the guys are like, you good? I'm like, I don't know, am I? <laughs> and my bike didn't break. Like, I like broke one of the things out of the handguards off, but they're like, can you ride back to camp? And I was like, sure. So I rode back to camp like five miles. Um, didn't really know I, where I was riding, but I've been there enough that I, I knew where camp was or where the pits were. And so yeah, I got there and I get like to the um, RV and my mom and everyone come out there like, what's going on? And I just dropped my bike. So then I just go and lay in the camper and I got a really bad concussion. I was just throwing up over and over and I couldn't like control it. And it was a two hour drive back to my house and I was throwing up the whole time, but I couldn't get anything out because it was like I was nothing on my stomach. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I ended up getting a broken collarbone, broken scapula, some broken ribs, and then some broken bones in my neck yeah. with a ma- with a major concussion. So like, as soon as I took state, I was like done for like three months. Towards like my all my injuries I just got, and so then yeah. I mean being injured. If you've been injured before, you know that once you're hurt and you're like you're out of the routine for like a month or whatever, it's it's hard to get back into. Oh yeah, the Super routine. Tough. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you end up 
I mean, you even if you're you, not hurt, if you fall out of your routines, it's super hard to jump back into where you, where you left off and what you were most familiar doing yeah. recently. So then, like, I didn't really ride anything for like a while, and then um, I graduated high school and went on my senior trip, <laughs> and was on my senior trip to Lake Powell for like a week. On the way home, I got a phone call saying that the, uh, my buddy's going to do a show in Cedar City on the SUU football stadium field because they're about to put turf in. So they're like, whatever, tear up this field. <laughs> and so they had like a trophy truck and like bikes jumping to like a resi and then motorcycles. And I showed up. I got dropped off by my buddies after the um, trip and hadn't really flipped a bike for a while because of my injury. and. Mm-hmm. Got on the bike, flipped, landed perfect. Second time, flipped, and with this ramp, it was sketchy. <laughs> and you barely got enough speed to hit it. And so I pedaled in, and I like didn't get enough speed, and I flipped, landed, and I bounced because there's a resi with foam, and it chucked me like towards the bottom. And then I the collarbone I broke, so it was a green line fracture. Mm-hmm. So it was like it wasn't all the way through, and then I really broke it when I did that oh man yeah so then I broke my collarbone and then so like after that I was out for again I had surgery (laughs) and then as soon as I was done with that I ended up going on tour with Nitro (laughs) so I'm like somewhere like we'll take yeah you're you're healed come on (laughs) only way I was like healing so quick is because I was in amazing shape like Mm -hmm. I was from wrestling I was super fit and so yeah I went on with Nitro and it was uh it was a crazy experience. Yeah. You know, listening to these experiences that you've told, it's, it's just painting a picture. It makes so much sense where your mental toughness comes from. It sounds like you have drive and you are just one of those individuals that's driven. You, you set a goal. You want to work towards something. But, you know, as we mentioned, you fall down. You get hurt. You didn't pass that camp, J-Rob's camp, the first year around your junior year you took fourth place in the state both heartbreaking a lot of people probably would have given up at that point and just said oh man i put in the work i've i've given it all that i have why should i even continue but you went back a second year to that camp you put in extra work you passed it and then of course all of that hard work that mental toughness of i'm not going to give up i'm going to win state you're able to do that your senior year and I, I think that that's so fascinating because mental strength is not something that is just strong like huge muscles. You have to develop it like a muscle. You have to work it out. And the, all of these experiences and hear you uh, tell about them and, and the tough times that you've gone through, it just makes so much sense where you drive. And then also that mental toughness of not giving up comes from need experiences i'm sure they're really tough to go through and super hard but now you can look back on them and say yeah i i know what i need to do i got to put in the hard work i've got to go back if i didn't pass it the first time i'm gonna go at it again i'm gonna work even harder i know what i've got to do to win and to succeed so that's that's awesome these are stories that i haven't heard before and now it's just helping me understand you that much more better gavin yeah i hope i uh i hope i actually am making sense while I'm talking because <laughs> I tend to bounce from thing to thing and then kind of forget where I was going and then kind of circle back. But I mean, it's kind of how it is, right? That's yeah. how my brain works. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's what you do right now, you know, 
later on will become like a dream. Um, but it's kind of like, for me, I used to hold like a lot of energy towards the past and situations that happened that weren't the way that I wanted them to happen mm-hmm. towards, you know, like, yeah, like that J-Robbery or whatever in life. And if I trick, I didn't land or if, you know, I didn't, whatever it was. But now, like, I realize so much is the past is gone and the energy we put towards the past will change nothing toward like right now. Mm-hmm. Like all we can do is focus on right at this very moment what you can do different. Yeah. Because that's all we can do. So so you got, uh, you, you fell into this funk. You were demotivated with, with Tanner's accident. You, you get through high school. You know, that, that's been surprisingly, if I did my math right, 12 years ago. It's amazing to think. It's been, it's been a while. Now, have you climbed out of that? Or when did that happen? When were you able to find some motivation again and to find, you know, in in building this identity of Gavin Godfrey? When did when did that start to happen? Um, I would say it's always happening. Um, I don't think I mean, I don't think we'll ever totally figure it out. I think we can do with what we can well, like with what we know right now, with the knowledge we we know. Um I think I'm I'm getting there. The like the biggest thing is like after high school, um, when I went on tour with Nitro, it was a, a completely different life. It was a life that was fun, dangerous, and you could get caught up real quick mm-hmm. in the stuff that you didn't realize you could get caught up with. Towards being here in Utah, you know, <laughs> it's changing now, but like we grew up in a bubble where it was you didn't really see a lot of stuff towards what was happening in other places because of the high, you know, Mormons here and the church mm-hmm. and everyone was, you know, kind of the same thing towards they all believed in. Um, but it was, I would say like I, it was like thrown into the wolves. It was, and it was like a time in my life where I had to figure out what I really wanted. And mm-hmm. if I wanted to go the route that, other people are going, but you know, some of us go through through that through college. We don't have to go tour with Nitro Circus and experiencing this. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm on my own. I can make some of these wild and crazy choices. You know, I, I know what you're talking about, but but yeah, we go through this experience, right? Where it's like this is so different from where I've been brought up. When I'm used to, I can make these choices. And you're saying that there's an opportunity to just get caught up and, and lost in it, though. Yeah, I, I think the biggest part I'm going with this is. Um, it put me in the spotlight and the way that it was is it was your I mean because you're performing in so many in front of so many people and then it puts you like in the way that they would run the management towards like you wouldn't you weren't allowed to like share like your salary so you weren't allowed to like because they didn't want you to talk about how what you're making because you would make like per jump or per stunt or whatever it was mm-hmm um, and so we kind of like we were all a super big family, but at the same time we kind of like were um, for like the money aspect. We we're like, oh, well, what could we do more to make more money? But then it was like, oh, I'm a rock star, you know. I'm worth this much. I'm, I am this. Like I am better than this person or that or 
I don't know, for me, it, it put me in a spotlight and it made me really get into myself where I really thought that I was someone super cool, as in, I just felt like I was the shit. Like like fame. Yeah, like right? fame, fame, took, status, me, fame yeah. took me pretty, mm-hmm. pretty hard. I mean, it wasn't like super, but it was enough where I lost what my parents taught me. I, I, I lost the thing of... Doesn't matter if you're a janitor or the CEO of a company. Which right? I, which I, I always was super good friends with all like the people I worked with, and mm-hmm. we, but deep down I was, you know, into myself where I wanted myself to succeed so much, and I lost myself in that place where, then I was like dark where, because the part of life is, joy is the biggest. Part I feel like for happiness and when you can share emotions with other people, like experiences and stuff like that, it brings a lot of joy because your human interaction, you know, sharing emotions is like one of the best things you can do as a human. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just got so tied up with like, and I was like growing up, I was growing on Instagram and like getting attention and thinking I was just like the coolest person out there. Like I'd walk in a room, think people would know who I was and that whole thing and um i think it really and jealousy jealousy was like a big part of it too but when i'd go through tour like i was getting jealousy of like other athletes athletes or like other i mean just like on social media you know you see these people doing these amazing things Mm -hmm. and you're like wow i wish i was doing that like or you're jealous of someone for like being successful in situations and i think i I think that took over me a, a lot um and when I got on tour, I stopped working out. Like I, I started doing stuff other people were doing, and I wasn't focusing on what's the best for me. As in, like some people can go ride and not have to train and like work out the way I did for wrestling. And I lost that aspect towards, and then I, I it wouldn't. I wasn't getting healthy. You know, I was I was always hurt because it, it's crazy on tour. Like one tour I went, I uh, a week before I got a hematoma in my thigh. I did a front flip on a bike under rotate the the uh, stem went into my thigh mm. could barely walk on it went to russia we had two shows the first day um i was like off it for a week so yeah so i was like out of shape wasn't really and then also like flying there and then having a show the next day you know you jet lag can't really sleep so then i did the show first show was good second show i crashed bounced from the top of the landing which is like 10 15 feet to the ground landed on my right shoulder where my collarbone was broken with the plate. Uh, my plate didn't snap, but it bro- it pushed my collarbone out of my sternum oh, man. and popped out like three ribs. And so then um, I went to the physio. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I'm not touching you. Because mm-hmm. she like put her hand on my ribs and they started popping. She's like, I'm not touching you. And so this is so crazy how it happened because I went on the like, so they came up to Ethan and Josh and I because they were my cousins we were on tour with and they're like hey we want to get some photos with the godfrey clan because that's what we were back in the the day on nitro and we we're on the trikes and we we're like dropping down the um the drop in for the fmx and it was like a big concrete floor and i dropped in and i was like drifting and i fell out of the trike and landed on my back and rolled to my head 
But when I rolled, I popped all my ribs in. Oh, yeah. Like, you're like, ding, 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 ding. Uh-huh. And they popped in. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, like, that felt better. But still, my collarbone was pretty tender. <laughs> and and my, my uh, thigh, too, because I was doing, like, acupuncture before the show because I was so swollen. And then a m- week later, we go to uh, St. Petersburg. And I, uh, or wait, no. It was a two weeks later. Two weeks later, we went to another show, and I jumped the bathtub. When I was coming into the airbag, I turned the um, bathtub, like, cause you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of these it's, weird it's, contraptions that you weird. jump. <laughs> so they they built a homemade bathtub out of metal. So it's a big bathtub. It's probably it's probably like three feet. It's probably four feet wide by like five feet, and it's all out of metal. So there's no cushion. Like you're sitting on like oh, a little like rubber seat. <laughs> yeah. And then you have like scooter handlebars that lead it. And then you have, then they have like a metal bar that looks like a shower that <laughs> could just snap and hit you in the head. Yeah. It's so smart. But yeah. we were jumping it off the 50 foot side. So like they drop you in, you go on the, you drop down <laughs> yeah. the 60 foot gigantic ramp, hit the flat bottom, hit the jump. You'd fly 50 feet in the air to get to the knuckle. And it wasn't a guarantee that you were going to land it every time. You'd land, and then you had about 200, 300 feet before an airbag, and you're on plastic. So um, your time to get out of the bathtub isn't really, like, an option. You just got to stay in it. So you either would come into it, like, full speed, hit it straight on, or you could, like, lay it down, and, like, I would get used to, like, laying it down, like, sliding into the bag. Uh So I laid it down one time, and it turned on me and went straight into the bag, like, me going into the airbag first and I put my arm out as a reaction to stop me and when I hit the airbag it took my arm and put it over my head all the way to my other uh, shoulder oh man so completely dislocated my left shoulder <sighs> after my collarbone was dislocated too and my my thigh and so I, my arm was in, like so I was laying in the airbag and my arm was numb I'm like Where's my arm? So I'm feeling over on my left side, like filling my ribs, like filling up. There's no arm. All of a sudden, I feel over my right shoulder, and my elbow is touching my right shoulder. Oh, man. And so I'm, I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> and so I grab my arm, not even thinking. I just grab it and pull it forward, and I pop my shoulder in. So it just like popped right in. And right when it popped in, oh, my gosh. If you've ever popped out a shoulder, you know that it hurts. Like when it goes back in, it's like, oh. And I'm like laying there and they're like, you okay? I'm like, just don't touch me right now. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so yeah, then I pop my shoulder out and let me tell you that next month. So I stayed on tour. Um, I stayed off my bike for a week. I couldn't roll over. I had to lay in bed on my back because, you know, and my left arm like felt like it was going to pop out no matter what I was doing. So if I put my arm up, I could feel it, like, wanting to go. Oh, yeah. So I did a ton of rubber band, like, exercises, but I was riding in a week, which is not smart. <laughs> but that's how you had to make your money. You know, you you had to ride or else you weren't making money. Yeah. So I, I was like, what can I do to make money? And so I would just do backflips in the trains. But it hurt, but you had to figure it out, you know? You just mm-hmm. tape up the shoulders. Um, But, yeah, then... um. So yeah, that was a big part of like that like 
totally sucked. But um, yeah, Nitro, like then when I would get out of shape because I'd, I'd party, you know, we'd, we'd have parties like after every show. How this non-Utah lifestyle. Yeah, this non-Utah <laughs> lifestyle. Like, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't party in high school, really. I like drank a little bit, but not a lot. And then like I got on tour and it was just like, you can do whatever you want. Like really, and yeah. nitro, like you would, the way I could put on nitro is you were, you would put your life on the line every night and also celebrate your life at the same time. Because mm-hmm. you never know if you're going to, like, it really is that way. Towards some of the stuff where we had a resi and pads, the FMX boys were doing pretty insane stuff day, like all the time. And theirs, their consequences were so much more gnarlier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we like, like you had, we just celebrated our life. And after every show, like they would, you know, take you to the clubs or whatever. And so I got into that like whole like lifestyle. And it's fun at first, you know, it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a fake way of life because mm-hmm. everyone changes when you start partying, you know, start drinking or whatever. Everyone's like super nice or like, like your friend. And then you see them the next day. You don't even talk or whatever. <laughs> so like I went through that whole stage and like I was doing on, going on tour is fun and I was having like the time of my life and then um I actually like quit going to quit um going on tour because uh, I got ear surgery and after I got ear surgery because I I mean that that story is pretty long as itself um <laughs> I'll cut it as short as possible so. I was on tour and we were in Salt Lake. It was like the second stop of that we've been here. And Preston was there and he had chicken pox. So I hung out with Preston because I went home and he had chicken pox. Like I was like, oh, I've had him before. You mm-hmm. know, seventh grade, I had chicken pox. So I don't have to really worry about it. And so then two weeks, fast forward two weeks, um, we got done with the tour. We went to Hawaii. I like flew to Hawaii with like all my cousins. And we were jumping off this cliff. It was like two days in. And I'm jumping off this cliff, like doing backflips, gainers, whatever. And then I dive in. And then as soon as I dive, as soon as I hit the water, it's like a, I like, my equilibrium gets way off. And I start swimming, thinking I'm going to the top, and I hit the bottom. What? And I'm yeah. like, what the heck? So then I, kick off the bottom go to the top and i just feel like i'm concussed like so dizzy i'm like what is going on and then i get out to the i get to the beach and i'm just feeling weird and um my ears like full of water and stuff like that and i go to this little instacare that they have in uh the marriott because i was on maui and i get there they're like oh you popped your eardrum here's some antibiotics i take them and the next day, like, I felt, when I woke up the next day, I felt so weird. Like, you know when you feel, like, weak? Mm-hmm. Like, you just feel like a like a weak body. And I had this trip planned out. So, like, once I was on Maui, I was flying to the Big Island to go stay at my buddy's, dorm, like, dorm um, at the University of Hawaii. And I get to their, so, like, I go to their place, and I'm, like, freezing, like, while I'm flying over there. And it's so hot. Like, I have, like, a like a long sleeve shirt on I'm like I'm like what is going on like I feel weird so I get there I was there for a day or two and all of a sudden I started getting like spots on me like blisters and so then I was like this isn't good um so I go to the hospital and they think it's a reaction from 
the medicine I'm taking for my ear. Mm-hmm. So my ear didn't get infected. And so they're like, we're going to put you on steroids. So they give me a shot in, uh, on my left butt cheek of <laughs> steroid shot, like a steroid shot, and then put me on steroids. And I, uh, I hate shots. They're like, we're going to give you a shot. I'm like, no, yeah. anything else. And, but so, they, yeah, and then I just felt like, so then I went home, went to my buddy's place. And I was like, then the next day I just felt like so weird. And my body was like getting covered. Like my head was blistering in little blisters and then my back. Man, that sounds terrible. And so I ended up like taking like multiple showers because I couldn't like go through the day. I was going insane. So I flew home a day early. And I actually would get in the shower and, like, whip my back with the towel because I was in so much pain. That's, like, something that would, like, free me from my pain. Yeah. And then it ends up – so I end up getting shingles. So I got chicken pox, and then I went into shingles. Mm. And the doctor's like, you don't get shingles till you're, like, 65. Yeah. And I've already had chicken pox. So I had chicken pox twice and shingles. <laughs> and so after that trip, it, like, put me out. And I totally forgot about my ear because I still had my ear – like, hold my eardrum. Yeah. And so then that got, like, a little infected. And so then, uh, long story short, I couldn't, like, I couldn't get ear surgery because I was still touring with Nitro. So I had a hole in my eardrum for a year and a half. Oh, man. And then... Did uh, that bother you? Like, did it hurt I kind of got used to it, but I couldn't get in water. Like, so I couldn't, like, Mm -hmm. get in water. I had to, like, wear earplugs to get in water or else it would feel like my eardrum up. Like, I went swimming with Tanner one time. And we were at the treehouse, and we were swimming laps, and I would go underneath the water, and I could blow air through my um, ear. So it, like, bubbles up my out of my ear. <laughs> that's crazy. Tanner's like, that's crazy. I was like, I know. It's pretty cool. <laughs> the next day, I woke up. Oh, my gosh. All the chlorine got in my ear. It was terrible. Like, my dad's like, get up. You got to go do flags. I'm like, I'm not getting up. <laughs> my ear is, like throbbing and it's like leaking out oh, yeah so then i i went on tour and like toured for like a year and a half and then when i got back i ended up getting surgery so they cut my whole entire ear off pulled it back skin graft from the back of my ear and then uh pressed it pressed it together with my eardrum to seal off my hole and oh man the week after i would say it was Pretty, probably like one of the worst surgeries I've had to go through towards my ear was completely sealed off. And I felt so sick and dizzy for a week because just the sound coming in mm-hmm. one ear and then my equilibrium was just whack. So that was like crazy going through that. But it ended up um, helping, but also like making it worse. As in, I kind of would like it. it for sometimes it was it would like pus, mm-hmm. and like sometimes I'd be like laying there, and then it would go completely black where I couldn't hear out of it. So in a way, it was like it taught me so much towards to be thankful for sound. Yeah, like really, because you when I would have that, like I'd freak out, like I couldn't hear anything. It was so weird, but at the same time, it was like nice because like now I wear earplugs all the time when I read, and then. I ride motorcycles and stuff. I like even when I work, I won't even put earplug like ear headphones in. I'll put earplugs in, and I'm able to focus on like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should go deaf, but no. <laughs> but yeah, it was like it was crazy with that. And after my ear, um, 
So I was, on, I, was, I was off tour, had my ear surgery. It was 2015. And right when I, uh, so like I was trying to do like my thing with like filming and writing and, mm -hmm. but my body was pretty beat up from nitro and I didn't want to accept that I was hurt. And um, so then the end of 2015, I ended up crashing on my motorcycle and breaking my thumb and another really bad concussion. I ended up getting three pins put in my thumb. I broke right at like the, where it can dislocate. Mm -hmm. So I broke a little bone and it dislocated my thumb. So they had to like drill and all that fun stuff. So the doctor yeah. left um, pins in for a month. Cause he's like, I mean the, the doctor did like seven surgeries on all of us in a year. Like uh, <laughs> all our cousins cause we broke seven collarbones at the same time. <laughs> So he knows, like, you guys us. must have some, better have some good insurance. <laughs> like, do you get paid? Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, the, so he's like, I'm leaving those in for a month. And something that's actually crazy that happened is while I had my pins in, we were on a motorcycle ride. And I was, well, we were Razor motorcycles. And I was in the Razor with Tanner. And because I just wrapped my hand up because mm -hmm. I, I can't sit still. So I got to go do something. <laughs> it was Thanksgiving. And we're on this motorcycle ride. And we had two new people with us that, never like ridden trails with us and they were in the front and they thought that we got lost they got lost because Preston was in the front and Preston just took off <laughs> as usual and he just takes off and they're like trying to keep up with him and then uh because Preston thinks they know like you know if you get lost just to stop so they get lost and turn around on the same trail and Tanner and then Tanner and I are in the back or oh, in the no. razor coming yeah. on that same trail. And then we have a buddy in front of us on a motorcycle. We just barely let him pass like probably 200 feet before this. And all of a sudden we're coming around the corner. They're doing like 30 miles an hour and they're coming at each other and they go to miss each other and then turn back into each other and hit. Oh man. And one broke his femur and one broke his uh, sternum and they both like, but the broken femur, you know, that's, yeah. Pretty serious. It could mm -hmm. bleed out real quick. And we're in these cedar trees, so you can't even land a helicopter really. And so we call, we have like one bar. We ended up so I like got there first and had to like move the bikes. And still had like my pins in my thumb. <laughs> and so I'm just like oh, moving man. the stuff. Yeah. And it's so bad because I looked down at my buddy Cameron and instantly I was like broken femur. Because he had two bends. Like his oh, man, yeah. You can see it just like, misformed. And his cheap. mom, yeah. his mom uh, kind of freaks out with that stuff. Pretty, <laughs> like, for injuries. And so I, like, I like see it, and I run to the back razor because they start pulling up. I was like, Ellen, stay in the razor, okay? Cameron's hurt. Just stay in the razor. What? What? And then so I go out to my mom. I'm like, Mom, broken femur. For sure, broken femur. And so we're like, we got to get the helicopter. Mm -hmm. So we ended up calling the sheriff and barely had enough service to call the helicopter. And they flew over us and they missed us. And they, cause they thought they were like, we were somewhere else. And cause we didn't have like GPS location. Yeah. And he, uh, so then the helicopter comes back and they like, they finally like find a spot to land, but we were there for like an hour and a half. And it was during Thanksgiving, and so it was pretty cold. Man, like, it started yeah. f getting really cold. And uh, my mom sat there for an hour and a half just holding his femur up into place because if she would have let it go, it just would have dropped. Because, I mean, broken femur is not yeah. holding itself. Yeah. 
That's, so that's yeah, brilliant. they they got there and uh, they're actually they put him on ketamine, stabilized him, and they're actually like they're like, hey, can you uh, like, hey, can you help us hold this uh, bag up? And I like, looked at him because I was filming it and I was like, I only have one hand. They're like, really? I was like, yeah, I got pins in my thumb. And they're like, you guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah. But he he made it back. He got he got like safe and everything. And yeah, it was pretty crazy. Towards like happy he didn't die. And but yeah, then like after that, um, I ended up. So t- that was like two months after that, or a month after that. And I got my pins out like uh, three weeks before this. Um, I end up getting in a car accident. Uh, so the car accident, we were going really, really fast up on top of Highland. And there's like that Bonneville Shoreline trailhead. Mm-hmm. We came down that hill and jumped the hill, um, hit the <laughs> curb. I was in the backseat. Um, my buddy was driving. And we hit the curb, spun. And like I don't even know how many spins, because as soon as we hit the curve, I blacked out. Um, then I woke up and we hit the retaining wall, uh, that big retaining wall, and we broke the welds off it and pushed yeah. it back like four feet. We were in a Subaru, no airbags went off, nothing. We smashed the whole back end in, like the entire um, trunk was pushed down. Um, so pretty much like our back of where we were sitting was mm-hmm. now like exposed. Um, so when I woke, I was, I was concussed. I like was pass whatever, knocked out for like forty five seconds, and I woke up, like in chaos. Like what is going on? You yeah. know, this is a dream, and my hands were numb. I couldn't open the door to get out. Uh, then these kids showed up. I don't even know how where they came from. They showed up, opened the door. They took me back, took us back to our house, and. Um, I like another really bad concussion and my back it so I ended up getting three bulging discs with a slip disc that hit my nerve my sciatic nerve and after that car accident I was so I was very unstable for like a a year like every day I'd wake up because I just barely got got off painkillers like with my thumb Mm -hmm. you know because it was in the winter time so my hand was like throbbing and especially with pins in your thumb you, know, you can feel the temperatures. And so bitch just barely got off painkillers and like uh then I was in more pain now with my back. Yeah. Like a constant night pain nine, like easily. I'd wake up in the morning and like take a step and just wanting to cry. Like I was like, this sucks so bad. And my brain, like I felt like so behind my body with mm-hmm. my with my mind. I didn't I didn't feel like I connected like I, I like just couldn't and it was so frustrating because I went from being this crazy, you know, athlete to doing like whatever I wanted to like barely even be able to walk. Yeah. And I like lost memory of like a lot of my childhood too. I couldn't really remember like that much stuff, but again, like I kept it pretty low. Like I didn't want people to know I didn't I wanted just to figure this out and get through it. But that was so that was three years ago and I'd say for the first year and a half, I was pretty unstable. You know, I was pretty down on myself. Like, I feel like I got to the deeps, the depths of hell that I ever, like, if you've 
ever been that deep, you you know what I'm talking about. You know, the time where you don't like for two years, I woke up every day and I didn't want to be alive. I was like, I'm over this life. I don't like if this is how this pain is gonna be and how I'm gonna feel mentally, like because mm-hmm. I couldn't. I just felt so weird in my brain. I uh, yeah, it was bad, and I, I like kept a lot of. So I went like MIA. I kept. A lot of stuff to myself. I didn't even tell my parents. Didn't even tell my family. None of my friends knew. I I was in this very very dark place where, honestly, I was really unstable to be, where I was. But at the end of the day, um, I had to realize that my family needs me, and I and it wasn't my time yeah. to leave. Like I wasn't going to take my own time to leave this earth of this physical realm of. And so when you get to that part of your life, for me it was it was either, you know, give up or give in. And when you're in life, you kinda of have one choice. You can either be positive or you can be negative. Mm-hmm. But whatever you feed yourself is what you're going to really like that's what you're gonna create. Yeah. So and I was so negative to myself, I was like I just hated myself. I, you know, I got out of shape. I got overweight for myself. Like some people, are like oh, I didn't, I couldn't tell. But for me, I wasn't at the performing place I wanted to be, and that's when Tanner really paid. A, he played a big role in my life because I was like, I mean, if Tanner can do this, I can do this because you know, at least I can do this. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I I couldn't see that picture as well as in like what I was going through because. I feel like being happiness and being sad are the same emotions, just different in a way because when you're happy, you're happy, but it's like that energy, that rush. But also when you're sad, it's that rush too Mm -hmm. because when you want to be more sad, you can, you just go deeper and deeper. Yeah. And when you're happy, you just can like keep going up and up. But for me, I was just deeper and deeper and deeper and, it's an interesting perspective. I've I've never heard it put it that way, but it makes total sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I just feel like it's a, it's a yeah. When you're when you're sad and when you're happy, you yeah, you create those emo those that energy field. You can and, feed either one. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And yeah, just you can go deep, deep, deep. And for me, like, I was like, if this is how I'm gonna live my life. Then I'm not gonna be here. I don't want to be here. And for me, like when you get to the point of not wanting to be here, it's like a restart to be like, well, I, okay, well, I don't want to be here. So how can I change this? How can I make this so I want to be here? But also motivation is such a hard factor and it's thrown out there so much. But in reality, like sometimes motivation isn't there. Like you're so you're so down and dark that how do you, how do you build the motivation? How do you how do you see yourself that you want to go like work out and it's like that's what you have to you have to figure out that within yourself because nobody's gonna be able to, to like help you out with that and so for me like I felt bad at myself and you know I was down on myself and I just was my worst critic. I hated myself. I did not want to post anything about me because I I didn't like who I was. I didn't like who I became and. That's where I came up with this this uh this brand that I'm doing is go getter. Um, it was either do something or do nothing. And for me, like 
go getter is a place is a lifestyle that I can build within myself and believe in myself. And that's why it took so long to like put it out there to people is because I built it, but then I wasn't mm-hmm. doing it myself. Like I was saying, but I wasn't actually doing. Um, what is it? Talk the talk and walk the walk. Not yeah. just put one of those out there. And I wasn't going to do it if I didn't believe in it. Yeah. So like I wasn't going to push it unless I fully believed in it because I don't want to. I don't want to do something that's not going to benefit someone if I don't personally believe in it myself. Because if you don't personally believe it, then you're not. I mean, you're not hooked on it. You're not like that passionate about it. Yeah. And so, like for go, my go-getter mentality is, you got to go and do it yourself because no one's going to give you anything in life. Like, if, and if you can get self-motivation to do anything that you want to do that you're passionate about or whatever, that's the strongest motivation you can have because you don't need someone to tell you how to get motivated. Mm-hmm. You do it yourself. Yeah. It's, you know, that's, that's awesome from going in a point in your life where you were, like you said, in the, in those depths of hell, the lowest of lows that probably any individual can be into, to building up this motivation. And you've built your brand, your own, um, personal following, I guess you could say on social media, Gavin Godfrey, but then tying that into this higher purpose, realizing that, like you said, you, your family still needs you here. There are other individuals as well outside of your family that have needed to hear your story. And by hearing this story today, going to inspire them and and probably help them out of some dark places that they uh, are going through or, or help them realize that, hey, we all go through that. Every single one of us have those experiences in our lives. And I'm not alone at this. If, like you said, if Tanner can do this, I can do this. Other people will listen to your story, Gavin, and say, well, if Gavin's been there and, and if he can do it, so can I. But Nita, you're pairing that with this go-getter lifestyle now. You're, you're pushing this brand of, of just going out there, whatever it is, whatever is your passion. You found your motivation. Go out, do it, live it, enjoy it. Nice to see that you have that refound uh, energy and passion for life and you're, you're sharing it with others as well. Yeah, and I thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And it's not a thing, I mean, I'm still working on every day too because mm-hmm. some days you have your days, you wake up, you know, you're like, what am I doing? Am I really like, like, life's hard. Life is hard. Uh, and yeah. I feel like everyone has their own issues they're dealing with. And for me, if I can help someone once a day, whatever, if I can make an impact on one person's life, I feel like that's worth everything because, like, you never know. For me, I have more of a passion for life towards if I see someone, like, I'm going to say hi. Because you never know, you know? You know, you don't know, like, mm-hmm. someone's going through, you know? I mean, you know how it is. Like, you, you've had a an up, up, upbringing where you really had to find out yourself, too, and you know, go in yep. your direction and believe in yourself and to have that passionate for life. And you've came a long way too, because, you know, you went from being overweight to being fit and then now bringing what you've learned in life to help people also take something away in life that they can, you know, maybe go and help another person. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we can do in life is teach people what we learn that helps us, but maybe not, help, it might not help them, but it could strike something in their mind that could help them in another way or whatever. Cause I mean, you never know what you can do in life until you've actually done it. Yeah. And it's, 
like you said, you 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 feed happiness, and when you want to be happy, you uh, create those happy moments for yourself, and you just get more and more into it, and then it it overfills, it spreads out, and it goes to other people, and it's a, it's almost just contagious, and wanting to share that with everybody else and to help them feel that, and you know, it sounds like that's the intent and the purpose of the Optimal You podcast. Hey, let's let's live our optimal lives. And, and as well as go-getter in this go-getter lifestyle, it's like, hey, we, we go through good times, we go through bad times, but let's focus on the good. Let's, let's have that mindset and let's push forward. And rather than feeding the sadness, we all have to go through it. We all have to feel that so we know the happiness, but let's build on that happiness and let's spread it with everybody else. I love that. I love that mission. Yeah, and I've been, it's like, so once, since I got, and I'm, I take everything I, I, that has happened to me as a complete blessing because I've, in life, you have to go through certain things to get to other places. Um, if we always had highs and good times, we wouldn't know what it is like to suffer. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, I went through some crazy times, you know, d- depression or a lot of anxiety or not knowing my direction. But that's what's so awesome is because I went through it and now I can help people go through what I went through. Yeah. Because that's really all you can do in life is help people. Because, I mean, we're all here on we're all here on planet Earth together. I mean, we're all human beings having a spiritual experience. Because we're all, like, I don't believe, you know, like once we die, we're done. Like, I believe there's something else out there for us and... I just, I don't know, For as long as we can help people that we care about, but also to a certain extent where some people, you know, you can't help them because you can only do so much of your own willpower and what you can't control. You know, if someone doesn't want to take anything from you, they're not going to take it. Mm-hmm. Like going to high school or a school, if you don't like the class, you're not going to learn anything. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not going to try to learn. It's the same thing in, in life. Um, If you don't... If you don't want to learn something, you're not going to learn something. But also, don't take someone's opinion as a fact. Do your own research. Find out for yourself if that's right. Like I feel like with nowadays with social media and everything that's going on, people aren't doing their own research. They're taking, you know, opinions of what other people are saying, mm-hmm. and they're not doing. They're they're not finding their own facts. They're taking other people's opinions and making them as their facts. And I, I think that's the biggest thing in life that everyone is suffering from is they're not doing their own research to find out for themselves. And that's what you have to do in life. You got to find your own purpose and your own self before anything else. Because, you know, I don't know, like with, the, with, the, with everything that's going on with like the news and all that stuff, if, if you hear something that's going on, look it up. Like... That's how, that's how personal development starts. That's how anything starts in life is you got to do the research. You got to do the work. You got to find out for yourself. Because if you do that, then you'll know for yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go off anybody else's opinion or whatever you know. Yeah, exactly. Gavin, I've loved the uh, the messages and what you've brought and what you've shared. Now, I traditionally like to ask well, a final closing question, similar to all my guests on here, with with the the purpose and the intent of, you know, sharing our messages to help others live their optimal lives. 
What advice would you give to somebody out there? You've you've shared a lot of great things uh, in this episode, but what specific advice would you give somebody who's trying to live their optimal lives or with your brand, trying to get out there and be a go-getter and just to live their optimal life? I think the advice I would give to anybody trying to find themselves or what their purpose in life is, is... Take a step back and look at who you are and who you want to be and also look at what makes you happy, what brings you joy, because you know that, you know. Maybe maybe one thing that brings someone else joy doesn't bring you joy, but guess what? That's for you to decide and for you to know because no matter what you do, you control everything that goes into your head. Like We can either be our biggest supporter or worst enemy because at the end of the day you have to you know self-motivate yourself you have to either bring in good energy or if you bring in bad energy you're gonna you're not gonna feel good you know you're not gonna it's up to you really if you want to learn something go learn it if you want to be someone go be it like at the end of the day nobody's gonna give you anything or teach you anything unless you want to learn it Mm -hmm. and that's up to us to figure out and just do good. Just be good and towards people and try to help out as many people as you can. Because for me, service is like the biggest thing for me. If I can, I mean, my neighbor, she probably doesn't know this, but her trash cans will fall over and whatever. And during the uh, winter time, she'll have, uh, you know, snow on her driveway. And I just go over there and shovel it or pick her trash cans up. Or, you know, she's older and, you know, maybe she does know what I'm doing, but. I don't really care because I feel good about it because when I'm that age, you know, I want someone to help me too (laughs) because you never know. I don't know. You attract what you put out. And Mm -hmm. if if you're a good person and you want to do good, you're going to attract that. And people see through it. And I just feel like love yourself. Give yourself more credit than you think and compliment who you are because we're all really good people and we all struggle. No one's perfect. All you can do is be you and just love life because tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, waking up is a blessing and like everyone takes for granted. Everyone takes for, you know, granted. They don't, like you could not wake up tomorrow and this could be your last day. Like, what are you going to do? You know, you're creating, like for for me, I've got this quote in my room and it's, um, what you do today will create your future tomorrow. And tomorrow is never promised. You know? Yeah. Live each so. day. Spread happiness. Spread yeah. joy. Spread good. And I mean, if you can do something, do it. Like people, you know, we're, we're so worried about other people's problems and looking good or being different. We try to, I feel like people try to be experts on other people to be like them when really they're, they can only be the experts in themselves. Because you're not going to be like someone else because that's who they are. All you can be is you. And it, we're in this body, this physical body that's been, you know, put here for us. And you can't really can't do that much with it. If, like, yeah, you can do surgeries or whatever if you want to get into that. But you have this body for you. And all you can do is make the best out of it. Mm-hmm. And that version of you that you're not creating and not living is probably a million times better than the you that you're trying to 
get off of somebody else or trying to be somebody else into trying to capture. Yeah, and I, and I think that's so hard right now with uh, social media is people see all these other people like being them or being famous and all this stuff, but guess what? What are they doing? What are those people doing? They're being them. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Like they're just doing them and doing being them. So what does that say for you? Just be you. And if it takes off, it takes off. But at the end of the day, fame is it's nothing, you know. Doing good is so much better because fame will get you to be obsessed with yourself and not want anybody else to, to succeed. I mean, yeah, some people I'm not saying everyone that's famous is like that, but you know, it happens. It happened to me, but I'm grateful because now I can, you know, share my message and help people. And I'm just, I'm just here to have a good time. And I'm, I want to do my part in this life and help as many people as I can. And that's why I came on this podcast because this is me taking a step out of my life. And it was a big hurdle for me to share like all this stuff in my life because I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard to share that stuff because it's personal and I didn't want to put myself out there and now I'm doing it. And the biggest attitude that's changed me is getting healthy, my diet, and doing stuff that I don't want to do. Um, I wake up in the morning and I go, I don't want to go on a run. And then, because I believe, you know, your subconscious and conscious, you know, you you enter, those fight each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And your mind, you know, is, at the end of the day, your mind is the, can be the, like, full uh, conclusion to both opinions or whatever. But I beg, like, I don't want to go on a run. Okay, okay, you don't want to go on a run? Okay, you don't want to go on a run? Okay, so then I'll go put my shoes on. <laughs> like, oh, you don't want to go on a run? Okay, I don't want to go on a run. I'll walk out the door. And then, like, okay, you don't want to go on a run? Yeah, I don't want to go. And then I'll start running. And then by the time you, you start running, you're like, wow, like I actually wanted to go on a run. Like this feels good. Because mm-hmm. it, it really is like what people say, you know, 98% of getting healthy is just showing up. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. You got a, you've got a lot to say, Gavin, but I appreciate what you've shared with us and coming on uh, today. For, for all of you that are listening, find Gavin Godfrey if you haven't already on social. He's on the Facebook. He's on the Instagram. Uh, also, give his brand a follow as well, Go-Getter. You're, you're yeah, it's Go-Getter go- be- go Daily. Um, I'm going to start pushing it more. I've just been building it. and I actually did my first little event um, yesterday. I did a little ride day at the Draper Cycle Park because I've always talked about wanting to do events and because I want to do events where bringing people together and then they can take something from it where it's actually like motivational or like help them in a way and give back to people that are support, supporting me and what I do. And it was fun. It was, it was 100 degrees. That's but awesome. Yeah, it was a hot one yesterday. <laughs> I, had, I had about 20 people show up, 20, 30 people had water there and we all, we all enjoyed it. I gave away some t-shirts and it was awesome. That's awesome. Definitely give it a follow so you can uh, be in the loop where these events are going to happen moving forward. Also, if you've listened to this, if you've subscribed, thank you. But if this message resonated with you or you believe it's going to resonate with someone else, share it. Uh, there's some there's some good stuff here, some great advice that Gavin has uh, given all of us to living our optimal lives and we want to help everybody benefit from that. Thank you all. Uh, 
this hopefully will continue on a monthly schedule. So next month we'll have another guest on. Uh, we'll keep it going forward. Also, uh, stay tuned. Gavin's got some works in the process for a podcast. You'll need to, to once that uh, formulates, to, to give that a listen and a follow as well. Thank you for listening today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you or talk to you on the next episode of Optimal You.